Chapter Nine of Survivors of the Chancellor by Jules Verne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Joe Denoya, Somerset, New Jersey. Curtis explains the situation. October nineteenth. Everything then is clear: the uneasiness of the crew, their frequent conferences, Owen's mysterious words the constant scourings of the deck and the oppressive heat of the cabins which have been noticed even by my fellow passengers all are explained after his grave communication curtis remained silent i shivered with the thrill of horror a calamity the most terrible thing that can befall a voyager stared me in the face and it was some seconds before i could recover sufficient composure to inquire when the fire was first discovered six days ago replied the mate six days ago i explained why then it was that night yes he said interrupting me it was the night you heard a disturbance upon deck the men on watch noticed the light smoke issuing from the large hatchway and immediately called captain huntley and myself we found beyond all doubt that the cargo was on fire and what was worse that there was no possibility of getting at the seat of the combustion what could we do why we took the only precaution that was practical under the circumstances and resolved most carefully to exclude every breath of air from penetrating into the hold for some time i hoped that we had been successful i thought that the fire was stifled but during the last three days there is every reason to make us know that it has been gaining strength do what we will the deck gets hotter and hotter and unless we were kept constantly wet it would be unbearable to the feet but i am glad mr caslon he added that you have made a discovery it is better that you should know it i listened in silence i was now fully aroused to the gravity of the situation and thoroughly comprehended how we were in the very face of a calamity which it seemed that no human power could avert do you know what caused the fire i presently inquired it probably arose he answered from the spontaneous combustion of the cotton the case is rare but it is far from unknown unless the cotton is perfectly dry when it is shipped its confinement in a damp or ill-ventilated hold will sometimes cause it to ignite and i have no doubt it is this that has brought about our misfortune but after all i said the cause matters very little is there no remedy is there nothing to done nothing mr caslon he said as i told you before we have adopted the only possible measure within our power to check the fire at one time i thought of knocking a hole in the ship's timbers just on her water-line and letting in just as much water as the pumps could afterwards get rid of again but we found the combustion was right in the middle of the cargo and that we should be obliged to flood the entire hold before we could get at the right place that scheme consequently was no good during the night i had the deck bored in various places and water poured down through the holes but that again seemed to be of no use there is only one thing that could be done we must persevere in excluding most carefully every breath of outer air so that perhaps the conflagration deprived of oxygen may smolder itself out that is our only hope but as you say the fire is increasing yes and that shows that in spite of all our care there is some aperture which we have not been able to discover by which somehow or other air gets into the hold have you ever heard of a vessel surviving such circumstances i asked yes mr caslon said curtis it is not at all unusual for ships laden with cotton to arrive at Liverpool or Harve with a portion of their cargo consumed, and I have myself known more than one captain run into port with his deck scorching his very feet, and who, to save his vessel and the remainder of his freight, has been compelled to unload with the utmost expedition. 
but in such cases of course the fire has been more or less under control throughout the voyage with us it is increasing day by day and i tell you i am convinced that there is an aperture somewhere which has escaped our notice but would it not be advisable for us to retrace our course and make for the nearest land perhaps it would he answered walter and i and the boatswain are going to talk the matter over seriously with the captain to-day but between ourselves i have taken the responsibility upon myself i have already changed the tack to the southwest we are now straight before the wind and consequently we are sailing towards the coast i need hardly ask i added whether any of the other passengers are at all aware of the imminent danger in which we are placed none of them he said not in the least and i hope you will not enlighten them we don't want terrified women and cowardly men to add to our embarrassment the crew are under orders to keep a strict silence on the subject silence is indispensable i promise to keep the matter a profound secret as i fully entered into curtis's views as to the absolute necessity for concealment End of chapter 9